Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. Never in doubt. Never for a second was it in doubt that the Dallas Stars were going to somehow win that game, which they fully deserved to gain to win and somehow lost. Um, Bruce, that was quite, was it the unlikeliest win of the year? I mean, there was one earlier in New Jersey or, or New York, the Island against the Islanders, maybe where the Oilers were equally outplayed a couple times. Yeah, man, Dallas just seemed to be in, in Edmonton's end the whole game. Yeah. Every Oilers line got outplayed. Every D pairing got crushed and the hero <laughs> There was a couple heroes. There was some heroic work on the PK, and there was a great overtime goal, of course, but, um, you know, the work that Miko Koskinen did there. So, <clears throat> Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, and because it was somehow beyond all odds amazingly and an Oilers win, we're going to go with two good things each because that is our custom. All right, okay. what is your first good thing? Well, sorry, it's... Two goals to one, two points to one, two good things to one bad thing. That seems about right. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, as good thing number one. Uh, the Nuge popped a, a power play goal tonight on a on a good hard wrist shot that surprised Anton Hudobin, and then he made a, a wonderful rush to draw the penalty that set up the overtime power play. And then he made a pass on the power play itself to earn himself a tidy two-point night and a 2-1 win and up his recent scoring surge to now 38 points in 26 games. Almost a point and a half per game he's been since uh, uh, they put that, uh, what you call the dynamite line together. Yeah. And Nuge has himself been dynamite. I was thinking about it today a little bit and thinking... The business about him being on wing, uh, what it really seems to have done is it has freed him to think and concentrate more on the attack. And he was always at the center position, I think, preoccupied with with being, the, you know, the in position, being the high man, being the, you know, F1 coming back over his own blue line. And now that he's not got that job, he, he has a lot of offensive skill, and we're really seeing it these last two months. And we saw... Just enough of it tonight on the night, a night the Oilers had hardly anything going. But uh, the Nuge managed to, to pop two points, and so did the Oilers. Do, do you think he, he uh, intended that pass to chase on? Was he trying to get it to chase on? I thought he just kind of gave away the puck there, and the Dallas defender, I think it was John, skated it, it mm-hmm. and then chase on gobbled up. I mean, he got an assist, but well, I don't the think assist. he No, it was, the it, was a broken, it was a broken play. Yeah, it was a broken no, play, I'm... like most of the game. <laughs> yeah, a broken game. Nuge was also fantastic on the PK. Mm-hmm. He really was. He was. He just uh, bearing down, and so he, the Oilers, uh, Bruce, he's got just one more year on his contract after this yep. one, right? Like, yep. So they could re-sign him in the summer, essentially. It's July, yep. His price is going up, unfortunately. By the but, week. Uh, well, it's fortunate for the Nuge. Yeah, good for the Nuge, bad for the salary cap. <coughs> All right, now they, my, now like, they can pay him to be a winger and not a center, so maybe that'll put a capper on it. But anyway, yeah. that's uh, he's been well paid for his uh, uh, well nine years that he's here now, 
And so hopefully there will be some reasonable account. Yeah, unreal, eh? Next thing yeah. you know, he'll be growing a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> no baby newt jokes. All right. <clears throat> My uh, good thing, of course, uh, and I got first pick. Otherwise, you would have <clears throat> you would have gone with this, I'm sure. It's uh, Miko Koskinen. Mm -hmm. He was as big as a damn mountain in that burst. He, he just was fantastic all game long. He got a little help. He got a couple posts. But in regulation time, Bruce, the grade A scoring chances were 16 to 3 for the Dallas Stars. That's that about as big sense. as a, a big as a butt kicking oh. in terms of grade A chances as we've seen this year. Mm -hmm. The Oilers were just, <laughs> they were walked. They were, they were. They were bulldozed. Dallas just played a hell of a game. Oilers, they, they could never, I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for the Oilers to get it going. And they, and they did, there was a moment there with Cassian's big hit and that led to a great A chance by Chase on. And then that led to the power play and then they scored. And it looked like the Oilers had something going there, but that was the only brief moment. Otherwise, Dallas uh, stomped and Miko Koskinen put his foot down. He, um, and by the, uh, <coughs> by the, third period and i've seen this before in games with Koskinen when he's playing well because he's so big mm -hmm. he is so huge and fills so much of the net that i find the other teams start to get spooked and they start to get too fine with their shooting and they start to miss the net mm -hmm. and i thought i started to see evidence of that with dallas tonight <laughs> where they were just just they were muffing their chances a little bit and missing on not doing as well as they might have because they just were Koskinen was in their heads and um, stopping everything. And it wasn't only the grade A shots. Like, he was really good on a number of kind of outside shots um, <coughs> on the power, on mm -hmm. the winning, on the penalty kill. I'll say. Uh, really good on everything, all aspects of the game. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Dallas isn't the kind of team um, that throws the puck at the net. They're not that, they, they try to make plays, actually. Yep. They're a little bit more of a skilled team like the Oilers, actually. And maybe that's the kind of team Koskinen suited to playing against, I'm wondering. But I don't know about that. But uh, he sure did well tonight. Well, that's twice he's gone into Dallas and walked away with first-star honors and a 2-1 Oilers victory. Between the two games, he faced 78 shots, and they beat him twice. And he was on fire. Remember that last game? He made that huge glove robbery, blocker robbery off of Corey Perry with about 20 seconds left to preserve the victory that time. And tonight it was just any number of of uh, big stops along the way. I mean, it, it just, it seemed like a matter of time before the orders were going to start to yield, you know, one, two, three in a row, and it was going yeah. to be four, one, and that was going to be that. And he just never yielded at all. Even when they got one and they poured right back in over the blue line, I thought, oh, here we go. This third period is going to last forever. But he hung in there. And as you said, I think he's, see, I think you're right that he psyched him out a little bit. After all, Dallas only mustered 12 shots in the third period after having 16 <laughs> and 15 in the first two periods, and they were uh, they were just uh, uh, all over, uh, all over the Oilers. Edmonton had so much trouble getting the puck, winning battles behind their own net, getting the puck over their own blue line, getting the puck over Dallas's blue line. You know, like all of the sort of conflict points, the Stars were winning the majority of the battles and. Uh, We'll talk about face-offs later, another place where they actually count the battles. But uh, it was uh, it was Mount Koskinen against uh, 
uh, against the Lone Star State tonight, and uh, and the immovable force <coughs> wound up winning, or the you know the irresistible object wound up uh, winning. No, the immovable. Uh, how does that work? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> immovable worry, object. We know what immovable, you mean, The immovable object won the game. The irresistible yes, force, force was resisted. Indeed. Wow, um, that's that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like Jujar Care with the puck on his stick in the in the, in his own zone, um, Bruce. Um, I think that the that was a hugely emotional high last last night against uh, Nashville, coming out and just stomping that team. <clears throat> and the last time the Oilers stomped the team, I think it was Calgary. I think after another emotional high, I think they were also flat for a while after that. Yep. And <clears throat> so it's got to be hard. And it's not like you know, it's almost to the point where I'm thinking, well, these, this Oilers team's so good that. They could stomp a team like Nashville. Maybe they'll come in and do the same to Dallas. You know, that was in the back of my mind. But the NHL, this isn't the NHL of the 1980s. And the teams are too close. There's too much parity. Um, even if even with the Oilers just taking, a, I think, a sizable step up in terms of their talent level, skill level this year, they're not going to have that those moments where they just game after game after game against these really tough, nearly equal teams. Dallas, all kinds of really, really good hockey players. That Gurianov is a hell of a player, man. He's fast, and so it's that's not going to happen. Um, is it my second good thing now? Uh, well, we haven't done mine yet, but whichever order doesn't matter. Oh, I just did Koskinen. All right, you do your yeah. second. You do your second first. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I'm going to have to go with uh, the overtime hero, Alex Chieson. He was a guy who I thought might be coming out of the lineup today, and and. Uh, Coach Tippett surprised me by uh, pulling out Gaetan Haas and moving Kara into the middle, uh, making a, a, a line of very big, very slow men with uh, Neil and Chason. Uh, but Chason had his moments uh, on the power play, and, and uh, uh, he uh, uh, he drew the penalty that led to the Nugent Hopkins, and, and that was on a great play, a great pass from Drysaddle to Chason, and he rang one off the post while getting tripped, and the ref called that one. And then even on the power play, Nugent shot. Part of the reason maybe that it succeeded was Chason was in his spot where he wasn't wasn't a perfect screen, but he was sort of creating a little bit of commotion around the blue paint. Uh, and uh, uh, then, of course, in overtime, they go with the four on three, four forwards, the big three and chase on. Well, you could you could run that movie 30 times, and I think that chase <laughs> on might be the hero in one of them. But that happened to be tonight's movie, and uh, he jumped on a bit of a overskate of the puck by Stephen Johns, and he sort of looked over, th- thought about passing to McDavid, and then just made the right decision to let her rip. And mm-hmm. Dallas, I think, was probably expecting him to pass. And anyway, in the net she goes, and the the big guy found a way to uh, um, to get the game won. So so good on him. I mean, he's. Uh, uh, he's taken a lot of abuse this year from people who don't like his contract. Uh, but uh, I kind of like the player. Like, there's things about him I don't like. Like, I don't think he's got very good uh, coordination. But he's sure smart. Like, he gets into good places and he wins battles. Uh, but he his stick often lets him down and his feet sometimes let him down, you know. But uh, uh, it's, it's never for lack of applying himself or, or giving it what he's got and uh he was a hero in montreal earlier this year scored the game winner in that game in the montreal uh bell center and uh uh, tonight 
you know, it was his night. So hats if, off if to him. He gets one of my good things. If you're quibbling about that contract, I mean, oh. it's not much of an overpay. I mean, you could, well, I guess you could say it's double what he's worth, possibly. Like, But, you know, they didn't know when they're signing him, they don't know they're going to trade Milan Lucic for James Neal. They have no idea that's going to happen. And for all they know, Chason's going to be on the power play all year, all the time. And um, he's done okay when he's been there. I, you know, as an even strength player, he's 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 mediocre to average. He's okay. Um, but if so, he's a serviceable. He's he's not as bad as Kara or Lucic was last year. He's a cut above that. He's tough. You know, he's defensively responsible. Knows for the net. So I mean, I just, you know, the funny thing, Bruce is. If we ran that thirty times, I think mm-hmm. I think Chason might be the hero more than once. But the hero in that way, right? Like it, it'd be one in a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> because beating a goalie, if you're with expecting a shot who's going to move in from the corner, wheel into the corner, into the slot, and beat the goalie. That's that's not his move. So I don't think I've ever seen him do that. So that was really surprising, and that was fantastic. So good for Alex Chason. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he does have value on the power play. I, I, you know, I ran some stats in the in game day post today showing the power play more successful with, I mean, Chase on and Neil have kind of split the game, the net front role. Neil scored more goals, but the power play has had clicked at a higher rate with Chase on than it has with Neil and also been burned for fewer goals against with Chase on than with Neil. And so he... I mean, we see it game after game, David. How many goalie screens? I mean, I'm sure when you add them up at the end of the year, you're going to find Chase on number one with a bullet for effective goalie screens this year. And, and a lot of them, of course, will be on the power play, but that's his job and he does it well. I think he's a bit more um, diligent than Neil about just really focusing on the one role, being the net front guy. Mm-hmm. Neil's more likely to roam a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or Chase on, he's just always right there. He's always right there. And and that might open up the seams for the other players, possibly, um, allowing a little bit more success. Or, I mean, there's in, in such small power play minutes, too, it, it could, the sample size is so small, it could just well, block. So we don't know. But it's, well, it's, it's, it's <clears throat> I mean, maybe the margins can be, can be uh, explained by luck, but uh, uh, he is part of the league's best power play. And he plays his part in that power play. It's yes. a, you know, it's not a puck handling role, but he he, uh, he does good work down low there, and and uh, uh, he wins uh, a lot of puck recoveries, and uh, he heads right back to the blue paint and occupies a defenseman and and uh, distracts the goalie, and that's what he does. And more the power Holmstrom. to him. The Holmstrom role. Yeah. Um, the Smitty role. Yeah, the Smitty role. I'm thinking more of Thomas Holmstrom because he was more like one of those guys just completely dedicated to just doing that, not doing anything else. Okay, my second good thing, Bruce, are is uh, Adam Larson and Chris Russell on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. And you could single out a lot of the players on the penalty kill. There was no shortage of players who did very well for the Oilers in that situ- situation. But I thought Larson and Russell were absolutely stalwart, winning so many battles. Chris Russell is so smart on the PK. Just darting here, there, winning battles, knowing when to engage, knowing when to back off. And Adam Larson, again, I just thought he had another game in beast mode. I thought he was the order's best defenseman. Um, it wasn't even close. And uh, playing so well right now, and he was just a rock. Absolute rock on the power penalty kill. And um, 
did I say power play earlier on the penalty kill? Yeah. And um, um, <laughs> I love that one play where uh, Neil or uh, Jamie Ben tried to move into the uh, slot, and Larson was sprawled on the ice and took the feet out from under him. That was a great oh. play, knocking Ben on his keister. Uh, not that I. It's not like. I dislike Jamie Ben that much. He's a really good player. It's not like he's Corey Perry or something like that, but um, that was still a very fun play to see. Um, Bruce, let's move on to your bad thing. Okay. I'm going to single out Mr. Referee. I never did take, I think probably it was Kendrick Nicholson, but it might've been Ian Walsh. Uh, when there's two of them, we'll just blame the crew for an absolutely like almost criminal penalty call on Adam Larson with three minutes left in the third period in the tie game for a body check along the end boards when everybody is banging and hammering away and somehow this guy saw a phantom high stick that just never happened it didn't come close to happening I saw it in real time and I was immediately just sort of what did he do wrong like all he did was (laughs) bang the guy into the boards like it's hockey you're playing hockey, man. You can't be calling that. One, one tie with three minutes left. Oh. I mean, thankfully, the Oilers came up then with a great penalty kill. And, you know, there wasn't even any sort of hectic moments around the net, which is probably just a good, just as well for my blood pressure, which was already shooting through the roof after that call. That's just, <laughs> it's not acceptable. Like, you, you see these games and, and you know, they, they're just turning the other way, a call after call. I mean... Tonight, I mean, McDavid got a two-hander. I mean, Cogliano hammered Nugent Hopkins 15 feet from the puck that had gone by. Obvious interference penalty. They don't call that, and all of a sudden they pull this one out of their butts. Not good enough. Not good enough. I can see it now, Bruce. Every clipboard in the McCurdy household was kind of sneaking (laughs) off to the corner as quietly as they could. I didn't have a clipboard in hand tonight, David, because it wasn't my game, but... uh, (laughs) Probably just as well for the clipboard family that uh, they're all they're all safely in their cupboard. Yeah, Paul clipboard could have met his <laughs> end tonight. You know, Bruce, there was a certain justice in it. Tyler Ennis should have got a penalty um, for oh, smashing Ben in the yeah. face. I mean, that was a yeah, that was a total that was a penalty. Like they call that great penalty. So the uh, hockey I mean, guards, you know, they they give and they take, and and in the end. You know, there was a, the, the dry settle made a great play on that PK. Matt Benning made a gr- great play, as yeah. I recall. Like, there were some really, really fine plays. Just like all night long, there was fantastic plays. They did score one power play goal, uh, Dallas did. Um, but um, that was a hell of a shot by Klingberg. Three minutes left in the top. <laughs> I called that. Bruce, my bad thing is a decision that Dave Tippett made. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just don't see Jujar Kara at center especially with the system that the Oilers are playing, the system where you advance the puck up the middle of the ice, where both the centers and the D-men are looking to, to pass the puck to someone breaking up the middle of the ice. That's asking too much of Jujar Kara. So he made an absolutely horrendous turnover in the first period that had everyone shaking their heads and attacking Kara again and oh, no. blasting him. And, and I, I get it. But the coach has to put the players in, in positions where they can succeed. And he's sorely mistaken if he thinks Jujar Kara is going to succeed in this system, especially as a center, where quick decisions, quick decisions and deft passing of the puck in his own zone is going to happen with his player. It's asking him a lot to play even strength at wing right now with the way he's been handling the puck. 
I don't, you know, they, they have to go with Haas in that role. They need the speed for one thing. Now, I understand they need Kara on the PK. He's a big player out there. And um, it's a conundrum in that regard. Uh, I don't know if Haas can do it or Yamamoto could step in there or who's going to do that role. Because <laughs> Judor Kara has been really strong on the PK. He really has, to give him credit. But it's asking too much of him to play center. Uh, in the in the order system, so that's my bad thing. I guess I wanted to give them a look. They wanted to get Neil in. They didn't want to take any of the wingers out, so Haas drew the uh, drew the short straw. But yeah, it was uh, it was pretty surprising. But uh, I guess it's a good thing he didn't take Chase on out, isn't it? Yeah, that's who I would think I was advocate. Like, well, I, I I was wondering. Well, I would have taken Kara out, obviously. Like, you know, yeah. left. Yeah. Uh, well. It's a it's a tough decision because Chase on's less needed because he doesn't kill penalties. Um, you wonder if he could kill penalties though. Like you know, you know, sometimes players are gonna have to step up. Someone was suggesting Cassian could kill penalties, and I thought, no, not that again. Bruce, what is your number? Uh, my number is going to be uh, uh, zero and fifteen, uh, with zero being the number of faceoffs won by Riley Shane in tonight's game, and fifteen. 15 being the number lost. He took 15 face-offs and lost every single one of them. I'm not sure I've ever seen that before. <laughs> 12 of the 15 were in his own zone. So, uh, and I think he only took like two in the offensive zone all game. So he was starting in the defensive zone uh, without the puck over and over again, often against the Jamie Benn line because he went 0-8 directly against Jamie Benn on the dot. And he, uh, uh, the weird thing is, this this is a, this is part. Sometimes I just don't understand this game. The Oiler that had the best shot metrics in this game was Riley Shan, with seven shots for and three against on his shift, despite starting almost all the shifts in his own end without the puck. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to have well, to watch those... a video of his shifts to figure out how in the hell that happened, but. Uh, I mean, I guess all's well, it ends well, but I thought the 0, 0 for 15 was worth a mention. A lot of those face-offs would have happened on the PK. Uh, some of them, yeah. yeah. There was a... I had the exact... Where do you, look, where do you look up the shot metric? Uh, they're in the same place as the event summary in that. There's... Uh, oh, the shot oh. metric, natural stat trick, sorry. A natural stat trick. Yeah, okay. I, was, I was talking about face-offs, but yeah, yeah the nat natural stat trick has the uh, each game summary and the five-on-five... I mean, uh, it has... Uh, was anyone... Oh, so Shane was plus five on five. That's surprising, yeah. Yeah. Dry side allowed shot, 13 to eight. McDavid, 10 to seven. Uh, Ennis, 10 to two. Uh, and uh, uh, Kara, two, to, two, four, four against. And then Shane, of all the people, wound up. And he had, uh, yeah, five on five. He was 0 and eight in the defensive zone. And 0-1 in the offensive zone. So, I mean, he, he was always starting in his own end. And he never they never started with the puck. So, it, it's pretty hard to reconcile how that happened. Because it sure seemed like they were chasing the puck around their own zone a lot. But uh, whatever for whatever reason, not a lot of shots actually were generated out of all that chaos. So, maybe face-offs are utterly meaningless. And that said, 0 for 15, I just don't remember ever seeing one like that. And I look at the face-off stats every game. 
They're not meaningless on special teams. They're extremely meaningful on special teams. Yeah. They're relatively well, he was meaningless. 0 for 4 on special teams all in the defensive zone. <laughs> They're relatively meaningless at even strength. As much as any one battle is meaningless. Like, it's just one more battle, right? It's not particularly significant. In some ways, it's a lesser battle because... Well, if you lose it, you're more equipped to right. recover, right? Because everyone's in position. Everyone's it's not a like bit the Kara, It's not like the Kara giveaway. Yeah, that Kara turnover into the slot. But he, oh, he did lose the faceoff on the one Dallas goal. So there's that. But. Bruce, my number is number one. Mm-hmm. The Oilers are first, tied for first in the Pacific Division. And um, after they're, uh, you know, after they for created the, the dynamite line. They were they were in this position once before a few games ago before Yamamoto and Clefbaum got hurt, um, where they were really close to you know they've been in this kind of second group all year long. The second group is the group fighting for just to be in the playoffs, right? Fighting to to hang in there and get a playoff spot. And yeah. once uh, before this year, they were inching close to the the first group, mm-hmm. and it was you know after that great run with Yamamoto and everyone, and and then he got hurt and Clefbaum got hurt and he got hurt and they fell off a bit. Uh, McDavid got hurt, <clears throat> but um, they're right back there, Bruce. They're 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 in that spot again, where they're within uh, two points of Dallas, and that's Dallas's third overall in the conference. Mm-hmm. They're tied with Vegas. Both teams have 80 points in 67 games. Um, seven points back of Colorado, who has two games in hand. So that's there's two teams, I guess, at the top that are yeah, St. Louis and Colorado. They're not going to get caught. No. Now, I, I'll have to warn you, your comment here is not going to age well with uh, Vegas leading New Jersey 3 nothing with six minutes left in the third period oh, at Vegas. Fuck. So that's right. uh, that's going to put pay <laughs> to that. But at least the Oilers were able to somehow keep pace with them and pull two points closer to the playoffs. I mean, the big, big number out of this game is two, two points. How, However, how did you can the other sleaze them out of the game. It doesn't matter. They got the two points. <laughs> Uh, sleaze them. That was heroic effort by Koskin, and that was not sleaze. It was. was. Uh, Minnesota <laughs> beat Minnesota beat Nashville. Oh, Winnipeg good. Winnipeg won. Chicago won. Edmonton won, and there was no not much else in the um in the uh, Pacific Division. Calgary or Vancouver, uh, they play tomorrow. So Nashville lost. Nashville lost. Yeah, That's I think good. they might be in the rear view. You know. As in permanently, uh, because they are, uh, uh, you know, know, the Oilers took six points off of them, and now they, like, they're running out of games to, uh, they're running out of games to come back. Nashville, like, uh, just let me look at the standings here. If it ever loads, there we go. Uh, They've got seventy-two points in sixty-six yeah. games. They're in tenth place. The Wild yeah. seventy-three I, points in sixty-six game and ninth. Right. Winnipeg, 74 points in 68 games. Vancouver in seventh place, uh, 74 points in 65 games. So it's all very close still. And Edmonton with 80 points in 67 games. So, you know, Nashville's eight points in arrears, Edmonton, with you know, I know. 20% of the season to, to play. It's uh, it's doable, but it's it's less likely and becoming less likely. And... Uh, on the other hand, Minnesota, because they they took six points to zero against Edmonton this this year, they're hanging around a little bit, one point ahead of Nashville. Um, but it's uh, Edmonton's position is growing more secure by 
by the day it seems like like um, I think it was Stoffer today was saying that one of the one of the um, services that figures out playoff chances had them at ninety six percent. Holy before, moly! Before today's game, and now with another win, you know that obviously has only improved their outlook. I mean, eighty points, David. There's uh, there's fifteen games to go, and uh, anything over ninety is in pretty good pretty good spot. And I mean, five hundred is. Uh, that's all they have to be is 500. 95, yeah. 95 they don't even have to have a winning record. That's fake 500. You know, you can you yeah, can have a few few Bettmans in there, and and every once in a while you get that extra point in overtime like they did tonight, and you know it's uh it's so. If they stay healthy, Bruce, they're not going to finish with 95 points. They could get close to 100. They um they are a, a very strong hockey team right now. This is an excellent Edmonton Oilers team. Um, they didn't look excellent tonight, but um, they they managed the, to get the two points. But the mere this is fact they team. hung around in the game, maybe you know, on a night they clearly didn't have it, and that somehow they managed to hang around. They got the goaltending. You know, I mean, they, uh, you could say almost it was random luck that they that they won, but but they didn't get blown out like it looked like, like they should have. <laughs> Um, goaltending matters. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. Sure. They, they had the better goalie tonight. Yes. They had the better goalie. And Hudobin, he made a couple of circus. That save he made off of McDavid in overtime. Oh, that was something else. They, were, they kept showing the replay of the penalty, and I kept saying to my wife, look at that glove save by Hudobin. <laughs> Holy moly, off McDavid, he saved the game. They're not talking about it. <laughs> anyway, he didn't right, save it game, for long. It's <laughs> game Thursday? No. Next game Thursday, at Chicago, ooh, and they 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 won three straight against Central Division teams, and now they have one more stop to make on what will be a successful ooh. road trip, no matter what happens. Tonight, Chicago whipped Anaheim six two, and they're uh, they're just trying to hang around, but they're I think not, they're they? they're out of it. Sixty eight points in sixty six yeah. games, it's just not not there. But they're they're good enough to be. I mean, they beat Edmonton in Chicago earlier this year, and and they'll be hungry. They'll be, yeah, they will. It won't be an easy game, and for the Oilers, it'll be the fourth and six or whatever. But get used to it. I mean, the four and six kind of is the way it's going to be all month. It's a good thing players are getting healthy. So um, hopefully, we'll be see, being seeing Clefbaum uh, back fairly soon here. Yeah, yeah, oh, Darnell Bruce. Nurse playing 30 minutes and 50 seconds tonight in the absence of Clefbaum. It's worth noting that uh, Darnell did some mighty heavy lifting in this game. Had a tough first period, and then I thought he was fine. I didn't love his game, honestly. Uh, Bruce, I've already done the game grades. I gave him a four. Okay. All right, let's leave it there, Bruce. 30 minutes, Thanks. and got a four? four. You got a four. You're tough. I didn't you're think tough. he played well. I didn't think he played well on the power play. I thought he was... Okay on the PK when he went. I thought he when he and Bear were out there on the PK. That's when the other team was more dangerous, mm-hmm. um, and he had some issues at even strength. So I'm not nice sometimes. Well, I'm trying to be fair. All right, thanks, Bruce. All thanks right, for thanks talking. for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>